back to Close Your Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Millett. Today's guest had her basketball career take her all over the world, but even playing in some of the most beautiful places didn't stop her from experiencing mental health difficulties that nearly asked her to walk away. This is Emily Potter's story. Potter, a Winnipeg, Manitoba native, grew up playing a variety of sports. I'm from Canada and, you know, like ice hockey is obviously like a big thing. So I played like, I played ringette and not a lot of people know about ringette, but you know, it's an all, all women's sport and I absolutely loved it and played it all the way up until high school. And then I was like six, three plus on skates and my parents were like, okay, like that's great. But at that point I kind of turned towards more like court sports, volleyball and basketball. So I played volleyball and basketball, you know, all throughout high school, but just always, um, loved basketball more. Everyone in my family played it, and yeah, I just enjoyed it the most. That interest in court sports allowed Potter to pursue basketball fully when she got to high school. She was inspired to play in college by watching the level of basketball present at the NCAA March Madness competition. So when I started in junior high, I was very bad, but um, growing up, I always used to watch like NCAA March Madness with my dad. So that was always just kind of like a far off goal I had in my head. And it was once I got to high school um, that I realized that, you know, I could have the potential to do that. Um, And then at the beginning of high school is also when I was like, oh, like maybe not even just playing collegiately, I could play professionally. So that's kind of when my desire for that started and I've just kind of been running with it. A 6'6 Potter was recruited to play forward for the Utah Utes. She was familiar with the U.S. from tournaments played across the border throughout her adolescence, which assisted in comforting her move. Back when I was in high school was like 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. So there weren't as many coaches that were up recruiting in Canada. But the way that the Utah coaches saw me was at a Team Canada identification camp. So it was like an age group camp for like a 17 under team. So that's, a, that's where they saw me. They, you know, came and watched those practices. So I think I was like maybe in the 10th, 10th 11th grade um, when they saw me and kind of worked that way. And sometimes like our club teams in Canada would go down and play um, in AAU tournaments in the States. So that, you know, afforded us the opportunity to be seen by a lot of college coaches. But now I know so many Canadians that are playing, you know, on like schools in, the, in NCAA, which is great. When she arrived in the Pac-12 conference, she was bombarded with a system intent on helping her in any way possible. The game just has so many more resources behind it in the NCAA, and that's kind of like the the biggest platform and stage you can play on. So that's usually a dream for a lot of Canadian players is to be able to go to the States and have that D1, you know, experience. But um, I mean, there's great basketball in Canada too. It's just not as funded or marketed. So it's hard when you don't have a full staff, like coaches in Canada have, you know, the head coach and maybe one or two assistants. Whereas myself in NCAA, we had, you know, head coach, three assistants, um, a trainer that's always traveling with us, like a video coordinator. There's just so many people on staff to help you to be successful. And there's just not as many resources um, in Canada. I think that can translate um, onto the court a little bit as well. I mean, I knew I wanted, you know, to go play D1. I didn't have a big signing day. I didn't have, you know, any of those types of things that you see kids now doing, um, which is fine with me. And I feel like I've always kind of adopted that underdog mentality. So it was fine um, in college if players didn't respect me because then I could just show it on the court and and score and try to help my team win and place the best of my abilities and just kind of, you know, let your game speak for itself. That's kind of always been my mentality. 
At Utah, Potter spent her time setting school records in single season and career blocks and a top 15 all-time finish in rebounds. By the time she graduated in 2018, Potter had become the sixth player in program history to accrue 1,500-plus points and 1,000-plus rebounds in her career. In addition, she left as the first player in Utah women's basketball history to register 1,500-plus points, 1,000-plus rebounds, and 200-plus blocks in her career. It didn't really feel like I was doing anything crazy while I was in it. I was just, you know, trying to grab rebounds, score, block shots, play to the best of my abilities. And I guess everything just kind of added up. And when you just keep, you know, keep with it, keep chopping wood and, and keep working hard, like good things will happen and it paid off. And after my senior year, I didn't have a great statistical senior year. So I knew the chances of me being drafted were not likely, but I still thought that I deserved and could have like a good shot at getting into a, a training camp. So after my senior year ended, you know, I went through the process of getting an agent and all that. And they, you know, did that work on, on my behalf to get me a training camp deal with the Seattle Storm, which was great. The WNBA hosts three rounds of 12 people each season. And that simply doesn't compare to the amount of young women seeking professional placement. And unfortunately, there's just not enough roster spots. So even if you are drafted, you can be cut by a team as well. Um, usually the first round is pretty guaranteed. You don't see a lot of first rounders getting cut from their team. So they're usually pretty secure um, in what they're you know, getting as a player. Um, but for me, getting a training camp contract, it's basically day by day. You know, I'm getting everything taken care of while I'm there, but it's throughout training camp that they're going to approach you about staying longer after training camp's done into the regular season, or you're going to be sent home. Potter signed a training camp contract with the Seattle Storm, but she was waived after a week. I could see that as camp went on, I started, thought I started off really great, and then it kind of went downhill a little bit. Um, and they told me, you know, go overseas, go to Europe, get some good experience, play against stronger, faster people. Because, you know, you can be the best player in your college team or a good senior player, and then you go professional and it's again like you're the small fish in a big pond. Um, there's so many people at so many ages. Now it's not just like 18 to 22 in college. It's 18 to 40 year olds playing. So um, it's a lot of competition and you know playing in Europe definitely um, I think has helped my game even more. After being waived from the WNBA, Potter secured a deal with Poland's Politechnika Danska. In Poland her rookie season, Potter sustained a knee injury that required surgery. Usually my, my bad knee was my right knee, which, you know, I, I had ACL surgery and like a scope on that in college. But just over time, the um, overuse, I guess the compensation on my left knee when I was in Poland, um, it just kind of like gave out on me and the cartilage underneath my kneecap broke. So it was super painful and it was something that I didn't want to, you know, leave and I didn't want to play through pain because it's not, it's not a fun experience. So I decided to go home um in november so i was only there for a couple months sadly you know played like a couple games i was loving like being professional getting paid to play basketball was great um but i thought it'd be better to rehab like in my around my family and be in a, in a good environment that way and i just took my time the next couple months coming back from that to just kind of change the way that i played and that i moved my body um I think after I had my first knee surgery, I was just so excited to get back on the court after a full season off. I didn't care about the pain. I just wanted to go, go, go. So I really took my time. This was like fall of 2018, spring of 2019. 
and I didn't have anywhere to play yet. You know, I wouldn't be going overseas until the following fall. So I just tried to build myself back up to play as pain-free as possible. And I'm very happy that I did that because I think it's like going to help me a lot with like the longevity of my career, thinking down the line. But at the time I was terrified. I was like, you can't get cartilage back. So I was like freaking out. And I thought, am I ever going to be able to play pain-free and get back to the level that I was at? But um, it was a slow process, but I'm, I'm very um, thankful that I took it slow and went that route. If I didn't love it, that would be the reason I would quit or, you know, my body's telling me no. But when you're playing through pain, it becomes less enjoyable day after day as it continues to kind of wear on you. And like mentally, it just starts to kind of eat at you. And I don't want to be in practice dreading it because I know it's going to hurt. I don't want to play games if I have to pop a handful of pills. So thinking about that, you know, made it easy for me to be like, okay, I need to take a step back and kind of like focus on me because I still want to have a lot of years left. Um, so it was very tedious and slow, like throughout the rehab process. Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, just laying bricks every single day, just very slowly building back up. When Potter returned to Canada to initiate rehabilitation services, Team Canada was there to set her up with doctors and clinics that could help immediately. It was great because I came home and Team Canada was able to connect me with a surgeon to get me in right away. So in Canada, we have free healthcare. I'm so thankful for that. The surgery would be free, but sometimes it can be, you know, a bit of a wait to try to get that surgery. Um, so I was able to, you know, be connected with a great surgeon in my home city and be able to have that within, you know, a couple weeks of returning home. So that definitely like sped up the process and made it a lot less stressful. Potter set out for nearly an entire year doing rehabilitation. When she was cleared to return to play, her agent had struck up a deal to move her next door to the Czech Republic. She ended up staying with the Czech League's KP Brno for two seasons. My agent was the one that, you know, got me that, that job and it's kind of tricky after sitting, you know, a whole year out, but I'm thankful that that club took a chance on me just by looking at like my college hi highlights and the player that I was. Um, so it was definitely scary, you know, um, going back in after, a, you know, almost six months not playing at that like high level. Um, and I didn't know um, going hard every day how my body would react. I tried to prepare myself as best as I can, but nothing gets you prepared for playing basketball except for playing basketball. Um, but yeah, I'm very thankful that I was able to sign with that team. My agent, you know, made it happen and that the team was willing to take a chance on someone that was just injured the previous year. In the Czech Republic, Potter averaged 6.7 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, 0.7 assists, and 0.2 blocks. Last season, I'm, well, I mean, my first season in the Czech Republic got cut short because of COVID, which obviously sucked. Um, and then I decided to come back. I felt like we had unfinished business. And then it was like everything got 20 times worse. <laughs> we, you know, had a stoppage of play for a month. Um, we weren't allowed to practice in our gym. We were outside running in a forest every day to work out. We could not get in the gym. Everything was locked. Everything was closed. Then everyone on our team got COVID. Um, and it just felt like it was one thing after another. And I just could not see the light at the end. And I really was like, because we didn't know how long this was going to go on for. We didn't know when the government was going to decide to let, you know, professional athletes play. At that point, everything was closed and, you know, the league and all the, the people a part of it were, were pushing really hard to try to, you know, say that 
this is our job. We want to be back playing. You know, we don't need fans. We don't need any of those things, but please let us back into the gym to even just practice. <laughs> like everything was locked. We couldn't even get in. So we would like, we tried to find outdoor courts and yeah, it was crazy. So that went on for a month. Um, and at that time I was like this close to going home. I just was like, you know, like I did what I can. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. And it was like that week they're like, all right, <laughs> gym's back open. We can start practicing again. <laughs> and I mean that I guess helped to some extent. Um, but I don't know if it was just maybe like the mental fatigue of the entire pandemic. Um, I just like was not enjoying myself and really having fun. Um, and at that time too, I didn't really um, get along super well with my head coach. Um, we just didn't see eye to eye on certain basketball things, which is to be expected. It, you know, it is what it is. And I felt my confidence just dropping um, in every game where it was like, I was scared to make a mistake. And therefore that made me make more mistakes. So my minutes were dropping. We were back playing, but I was playing poorly and I was playing less and less every game um, and just really getting in my own head. Potter began to suffer from mental health issues, including panic attacks and depression from the bad fit. But the availability of mental health resources in Canada eased her mind. It wasn't always so easy, though. The European stigma surrounding running away from mental health is very real, and Potter saw that firsthand. I've been seeing, you know, like a mental kind of performance coach since I was in the 10th grade. Um, now it's kind of shifted to more maybe like mental health side of things as opposed to the performance side of things because I feel like I finally got that figured out. But overseas in Europe, I definitely have felt some of the stigma surrounding mental health. I've had doctors, you know, ask me, you go to a new team, you need to do a physical, they need to ask you what type of medication you're on. And they don't really understand, you know, the the medication side of mental health. And I'm not gonna be, you know, ashamed of of what I what I take and what I need that makes me at my best. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, people are more hush-hush, I guess, about it, you know? In, in Europe, like I said, they're kind of behind the times on something. So I'm very open and vocal about mental health. And you know, I've talked about it with some of my teammates. So just try to, you know, do everything I can to normalize it, because it's normal. When 2021 and growing COVID-19 regulations presented, Potter made the move south to play for the Esperides Basketball Club in Calithia, a suburb of Athens, Greece. That was the moment that she realized what a difference playing overseas in the major tourist destination city made. The language barrier is definitely probably the biggest thing that um, people struggle with because it depends where you are if people are speaking good English or not. Um, Poland was probably the place I lived where people spoke the le like the least amount of English. And then Czech Republic, and I found here in Greece that they speak the most. But, you know, I'm in a big city, so that helps. So it definitely depends on the location. And a lot of times, um, rookies or just professional players in Europe in general, you're going in really blind. You don't get to take an official visit like you do in college. You're, you know, talking to the coach on the phone. Maybe you can try to connect yourself with some of the players from the team but you don't always have a clear picture of what you're walking into, which can be really scary. It can be a good thing. It can exceed your expectations. And it can also be, you know, maybe not what you're expecting when you get there to the team. But then again, you've already signed a contract. Um, people do move around from team to team throughout the years, um, you know, or halfway th point through the seasons, but um, it is really what you make it. 
So if you're going to sit in your room on Netflix by yourself and not interact with your teammates, not explore the city, um, if that's your personality and that's what's going to work for you, then I mean, you'll have a decent time, I guess, playing basketball, but it's such a unique job and and situation that I know is not going to last forever. I'm not going to be playing professional basketball forever. So if you take advantage and, you know, take day trips, travel, really interact with your teammates, go out with them, see how they live like a, like a local. And you can also do the touristy stuff is super fun as well. But yeah, that's what everyone that I knew that played overseas, um, you know, like former co coaches and some other teammates told me like, it really is like what you make it when you're overseas. But in Poland, yeah, there was some girls that really didn't speak English at all. And it's hard when you're on the court and you want to make little adjustments, let's say like after a foul is called or during a free throw and you want to communicate with your teammate. Like, what am I supposed to do? Do charades? Like it's, it can be hard in that sense. Um, but I've always had coaches that speak good English, which is definitely key. Um, and sometimes coaches will just start, you know, like going on a rant and they'll talk in their native language. So I'll always have one girl that I'm close with on the team that I know can like translate for me and be like, what is he saying? <laughs> and then let me know what's, what's going on. But yeah, it's, it's been different, um, in every place, but you know, I always make it work. It can be hard to really get to know someone though. And like their personality and their humor when English is not their first language. The one thing I found, and I do love living in Europe, but sometimes they can be a little bit behind the times in some things. Um, just with like culturally how they view women, um, maybe like a little bit sexist and like more racism you're gonna see in places in Europe because there's uh, places I lived in Poland and the Czech Republic. Um, there's not a lot of diversity. There's not a lot of like multiculturalism. If you get to the, the bigger cities, you will see more of that. Um, but yeah, I just definitely feel like they're a little bit behind the times on some of the things. Um, so as somebody that's coming from North America, I can use my voice and educate them on things that I, that are different in Canada. Um, whether it be, you know, social norms or just, yeah, things that I don't agree with. And I have no problem, you know, speaking up about those, those kinds of things. Even at times when languages mix and misconstrue, Potter found that uniting under the shared love of sport has helped any kind of irregularity in culture or language. We all find a way to just come together, right? We're there for a common goal, which is to win basketball games. Um, and I've been really lucky to have some, some great teammates um, that have been like really welcoming. Um, and yeah, like if we have dinner outside of, out, outside of practice or team Christmas parties, like it's always a fun time and yeah, I'm thankful that basketball can bring people together from so many different, you know, places in the world and different like backgrounds and walks of life. Even though she and her teammates function as a group, playing professional basketball comes with a significant decrease in attention on every individual athlete's needs. This came in stark opposition of Potter's time in college when teams of individuals were helping athletes succeed. It's just it's just on you. In, in my experience in college, you had so much support around me, um, it's kind of impossible to fail. You have lots of people lifting you up, whether it be academic advisors, coaches, mentors, you know, um, physiotherapists, but overseas, like it's, it's all on you. It's on you to take care of yourself, take care of your body, make sure you're like doing everything you need to do to perform. Nobody's going to chase you down as a pro. You can, you can go out and do whatever you want as long as you show up to practice and, and do your job. Um, so there's a lot of free time 
but you need to use that, that free time wisely and make sure, you know, you're seeing the trainer. If you need to go see the trainer, like they're not going to chase you down and be like, Oh, how are you feeling? Like you just, it's all falls on you now when it's your job. On our European teams, Potter's transitioned into a therapist of sorts for her teammates. Players have come to her for a shoulder to cry on or as a mediator for their thoughts. She says that if she can play that role and help them work through their difficulties, she's more than willing. Yeah, I have had, you know, some teammates like open up to me about things and be able to have those type of conversations. And that's usually who, you know, I'm close with on the team. And I'll always listen to, you know, to other people's stories and things that they've gone through um, because it makes people feel less alone. Like we're all in it together and we all have our own struggles um, and, and it's different for everybody, but people think that other people aren't going through the same things and them don't have the same thoughts as them. But really there's so many more people that do if you just, you know, kind of reach out and ask and you, you'll be, I think you'd be surprised to find out how many people um, also have, you know, doubts about themselves and, and negative thoughts. Um, not that that's a good thing, but you know, there's, there's strength in numbers and, and sharing your story and having somebody to lean on. I think every coach should have, you know, that type of training. Um, you don't need to be able to diagnose your team, like your, your team or your players, but you should be able to recognize, you know, something in someone else and maybe direct them to help if they, if they need it and, and recognize that your words are important as well. Um, I play basketball because I love it, but I also don't want to go to practice and get screamed at for two hours, you know, and, and some people, everyone takes criticism um, and encouragement very differently. And as a coach, you need to, to learn what works and, and what doesn't with your players. It goes both ways, you know, like the players need to work on, on um, you know, the mental performance side of things and not getting inside their heads, but coaches need to, to realize that they have, they can have a big impact on their athletes. Actually, my team in Poland did have a sports psychologist that would work with our team, which was very rare. I, I came to find out. Uh, no other team that I've been on has had, you know, that type of um, resources. You know, we have a team doctor and, and that's kind of about it. But thankfully, you know, I have like my own sports psychologist connection back home um, in Canada. And that was connected through the resources um, and the sports center in Manitoba, my home province from kind of like Team Canada. So I was able to make that connection and have somebody to reach out to when I need it. Um, but it shouldn't take me playing at that level to have that, you know, have that resource. We think of self-care as something you do when you're stressed out and you need to relax, but it should be a, maybe not a daily thing if you don't have time, like a weekly thing, sometime that you take time for yourself. Um, and before I really thought of mental health as only when you're struggling, what am I doing to get myself better? And now I think of, you know, those, those practices of, of self-care and taking care of myself as something that needs to be scheduled in, um, just like my workouts. So before the pandemic, it was kind of like, um, I don't know, like crisis control, just try to get, you know, stop the, you know, the overflowing and the, and, and the chaos. And now it's kind of like, I'm, I'm trying to stop it before it starts, which is probably a lot more proactive, better, better, better idea. If you're hearing your own thoughts in Emily's words, I have a great sponsor here to help you get the redirection you're seeking. I'm so happy to have BetterHelp on for another week. Now that we've solidly arrived in 2022, how are your resolutions going? Are you even thinking about them anymore? 
BetterHelp is the perfect resource if you're still on track, or even if you aren't. In 2022, I want to improve my diet and exercise regimen, and if you're anything like me, having someone to hold you accountable might be just what you need to reach your goal. One of the best ways to reach your 2022 goals, including those which may seem insurmountable, is to follow through on healthy mental health habits by working with a licensed therapist. Now, I'm bringing the option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp's sponsorship to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that with accessible financial aid options. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. Get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. Mental health was not something I discussed in high school um, and not even really at the beginning of college either. I only started talking about it at the end of college when I had my own struggles and I just, my eyes were just open to this whole other like world that I didn't even know existed and wasn't paying attention to. And I'm like, well, if I didn't know and I wasn't talking about it, how many more people are out there struggling with these same things as me and feeling like they are alone? Cause I felt alone. So I've seen tons of athletes speak out, which I think is amazing. Kevin Love is a huge one um, athlete. Um, there's so many more platforms now. The Hidden Opponent is one that I love for students um, and mental health. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see all of those things um, and see the stigma and the conversation opening up. And now that we kind of have that, I'm thinking like, what's the next step? So now that we have you know, more people talking about it. There are a lot of people now that are working to get more accessible resources so people can get help. And I think that's the next step that needs to be taken in the next, you know, five years. If you're signed to a team, I would love, you know, your insurance that covers you to have somebody in place and have um, maybe even a connection set up so that you don't have to go out and find it. Like right now, there's just so many barriers to sometimes getting help. And if you do find the help, there's wait lists. So what can we do to try to remove those barriers so it's easier for people to get the help? You can negotiate many things in your contract with your agent. So if you're trying to push for that, um, and, a lot of, and a lot of people are trying to push for that, then teams will see value in offering that to players. And it can begin to become a draw for people to play for that team. Even though the international stance on mental health advocacy could use some updates, Potter says that being your own advocate is the first step. Asking for what you need is the best first step you can take to improve your well-being. In time, that assistance trickles into everything you do. 
Thank you so much for listening to episode 55 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. If you would like to follow Emily's story, you can do so on Instagram at mpotter10 and follow at Closer Mental for more content from all of my guests. If you'd like to watch Emily and I's entire interview, it's posted now on Closer Mentality Uncensored's YouTube channel. Thanks again for tuning in to Closer Mentality. See you next week.